episode number four of Dealer's Choice, and today we have got one of the original absolute legends of the game, the voice of poker, Holy Toledo. Today it is the Jesse May Show. You got to know when to hold up. Hi, Jesse. Know when to fold up. Know when to walk away. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that flattering intro. I, I, it's funny, actually. You said "Holy Toledo." I've got my six-year-old son now. He says "Holy Cow," um, which I'm I'm quite quite proud of. He does it very well. That's an old <laughs> Phil Rizzuto line. Uh, long long time no see, man. Yeah, I tell you, been, it's been a long long time. Um, I think Denmark, uh, Munkelberg. I mean. Well, it could it could be it could be. I, I I know you run into my my wife Mickey quite often on the oh. tour, uh, but yeah, I mean I I we 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 had a, an unforgettable uh, couple of days in uh, uh, in Denmark at the uh, was it Marienloos or wherever it is out out near uh, Aarhus Casino the the casino out there. Um, that was a lot of fun. Oh no! It was the WPT uh, party, um, uh, Munkenberg. Uh, yeah, Munkenberg. You seen a Munkenberg? That's yeah. right. That's the one. Yes, it was. Um... I think that might have been the year that I was down there with uh, Warren Lush and and yes. Steve O'Dwyer. We were on yes. this road trip. That was a that was a bundle of fun. Yeah. Um, I think. God, how many years ago was that? Eight, maybe yeah, seven or eight. I think. Like I, I think Steve might have won it that year. Actually, he did. Yeah. He did. <laughs> Show up, win, and on we go. Um, how, how's yourself? How's how's uh, lockdown been treating you under the circumstances, Jesse? Well, I'd say relative to to what's going on in the world, we're, we're uh, you know everyone close to me right now is is healthy, so that's the important thing. Uh, Denmark is you know probably one of the best places to to to, to be right now, so we're very lucky. Uh, people are fairly relaxed here. Um, but we'll, we'll see, see, it's going to be a long, a long road. Um, you, you, you're lockdown for me, lockdown for me is no problem. I've been <laughs> practicing for this for like 10 years. I mean, I mean, I think that, that, uh, that, that, that party we had in Casino Munkerberg, that could very well be the last time I was out of the house anyway. So you know. <laughs> it's like, um, they, they advise the, the government, you have to social distance. I've been social distancing before it was popular. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Before it was a thing. Oh. Yeah, I mean, how's the family keeping with the old goods? Jesse, um, yep. McKay and the little one? Yeah, we couldn't be happier. We couldn't be happier. Uh, my, my son Luke is back at school a couple of weeks now, so that's been good for him. Um, yeah. Good for you guys as well, getting a little bit of a break. Uh, yeah, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, he was getting a little stir-crazy here. But, you know, everybody's got that going on now. It's, yeah, um, it's, uh, it's, it's not it been the best of times, but as you say, we're all in the same sort of boat. We're all uh, we're all going in the same direction, and we just got to get on with it. There's nothing that can be done, and we just got to smile and fingers crossed that it gets better. Um, I've had a, a lot of very up and down days. I, I mean, uh, you know, and I think that's from 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 what I I read and 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 the and the people I, I'm in touch with. That's just very common, you know. You, you feel like you're going along good for, it's been what, you know, I think we've been in, inside about 12 weeks now. Uh, you feel like you're going along good. And then, you know, you kind of have a bit of a meltdown, uh, spend a couple days really bad, and then, you know, get yourself back together again. I, I'd, yeah. say, I'd say that's 
par, that's par for my course anyway. Yeah, it's um, it'd be harder for a lot of people, and it's just it's just we've all got it in in the poker family and community that we're in. Um, in some aspects of it, you've got to try and look out for each other, even friends and people in your circle. Just shoot them a little message, little you know, just how you doing. It's always nice to be thought of or thinking of. I, I haven't been doing that as much as, much as I should, but I, I have been a little bit, and you're right. It's, it is, it's, it's vitally important to, to just, like you say, check in with people. Yeah, it's uh, good, good for the old mind on both everybody's behalf because it's nice just getting that message out of the blue. And um, What I will say is I see you've got a, um, a, a I was glad to hear me. from you, by the way. That, that was a nice message. I know you were trying to get me on the, uh, on, on the Facebook. I wasn't ignoring you. I just... Uh, you know that's just not my platform. I don't know. We we all have our 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 preferred technologies, and I'm uh, I'm I'm not a Facebook man. But no, uh, no. yeah, I was I was glad to hear from you though. Yeah, you as well. But yeah, I was saying I was um, good to see you've still got a picture of me behind you. Uh, one of those self kind of Muriel things. <laughs> this uh. No, right behind you, on the beside the the window. Ah, the mask. Yes. 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 Right. <laughs> I'm not even sure where that's from. I think uh, Mickey might have picked that up on one of her travels somewhere, um, or we may have. We we used to travel. We used to travel a bit. Yeah, I mean, we'll get we'll get going with this. Um, it's just a little bit of a rundown. It's a bit about the ins and outs of Jesse May, the real Jesse May. What uh -oh. the people know? Yeah, exactly. Uh oh. Um, where it began, where it went, where it's going. A little bit of stories, and uh, basically. You know, we'll have, we'll have a bit of fun. So, I mean, born in 1970 in New Jersey. I mean, yeah, to be honest with you, I'm going to think I 50. thought you were younger. Ah, right. Uh, I, just turned, uh, I just turned 50 uh, last month. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, this is the year all my friends are turning 50. One of my closest friends, uh, you may bet, it turns 50 today. So it's kind of like that thing with the 50th year. Everyone just kind of ticks it over. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> That's it, it. It hasn't really hit me hard. Um, I'll tell you what I did notice about about being fifty now or being older is that when I um, when I started, I guess in this business or just like in 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 the gambling world, um, I was was always gravitating towards people who were who were older than me. Uh, I would always be hanging out in circles uh, because I loved I loved the you know the guys who knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. I learned an unbelievable amount from them, and. Um, now, like, especially, you know, the, the works with my work, I think I'm the oldest person in my company now. <laughs> um, I find myself, you know, continually only, only with people where I'm the oldest one, uh, either in the room, on the call, or in the group. So that's, that's how you notice that you're, you're getting older. Beyond that, you know, it, it, so it, it feels kind of circle kind of the same. a little bit. What's that? It's went a little bit full circle. I guess so. Although, you know, I'm, 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 I, I I hesitate to think that I dispense wisdom. Um, I, I think, um, and which is which is really how I viewed most of the I'd say my mentors, the guys I was really close to, uh, you, you know, for the last twenty five years in, the, in this business. Uh, so, so so many of them, um, but um, you know, I'm 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 mostly telling stories that people have already heard seven times. That's I think um, what my place is at this stage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as I said, I mean, so you were born in New Jersey to uh, mother and father, Paul and Judy. You had a sister, Joanna. 
What was it like growing up in uh, New Jersey back in, back in the day? I mean, I call New Jersey Sopranos country. So, you know, f funny you should mention, obviously, um, the town I grew up in was, um, was next door, re really, to the town where, where, where uh, Tony's house, Sopranos, really, really was supposed to be, which was called Florham Park. I grew up in a place called Madison. So in Madison, where I grew up, um, I think there was about, it was real suburbs, you know, about 18,000 people. I think we had 12 Italian restaurants slash pizza places. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was full on. Um, I, I always like to say, which is true, the, in my high school class, the, the captain of the wrestling team married the, the head cheerleader. And that was uh, Vito Lupino and Jody Bikino. You know, but look, look in the in the scheme of things, um, you know, with with what's going on in the world today, I think it's, you know, obviously I've been thinking about a lot of stuff. And and look, I, I grew up in a town with a lot of white privilege. Let's you know, let's 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 uh, I, I, I'd say that's a, a pretty honest assessment and the kind of thing that you benefit from in, in, in you know, that growing up in the in the New Jersey suburbs and, and that kind of thing. So. Was it was it hard was it hard growing up in the area or was it um, was it enjoyable or basically when you were older you couldn't wait to get out sort of area. Um, I I couldn't I couldn't wait I couldn't wait I I, I loved New Jersey at, at the time but I, I I couldn't wait to get out just because I had very itchy feet you know and I was I was very curious um, so I, I I couldn't wait to get out and uh, you know after after I left Jersey, um, I, I did a lot of traveling, uh, you know, a bunch of years. I, I think by the time I was, um, let's see, by the time I think I was 24, I had, I had lived in, um, you know, Chicago, Las Vegas, New Orleans, um, uh, Berkeley, Connecticut, uh, Woodstock. Oh, that was a little later. New York City. Um, you know, and and I I used I had driven across country a couple times, so I was I really liked to to mosey about. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it helps with the job as well because uh, in the kind of poker industry, you get to see bits of the world. You can implement little bits from what you've seen, where you've been, people you've met from all um, all corners of the globe. I mean, you say you travelled around America. You must have seen a lot in regards to the poker community and the poker world growing up. So, uh, you know, in in those days, uh, interestingly enough, that the, the the poker world was just was just kicking off, right? <clears throat> um, when I was uh, sixteen, which is the first time I went to Vegas, um, Vegas was the only place you could you could play poker legally in the United States. Um, you know, there were some small uh, card rooms in California, but they, they, they were only playing kind of draw poker. So really huh. Vegas was the only place you could play poker. And then by the time I was 24, there was, I, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 States you could play poker in, uh, that had casinos plus the Indian reservations. So, um, it was, it was really the beginning of poker, you know, and I yeah. started in, 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 in Vegas, uh, or really, you know, the, so some of the private games, but um, then, then basically opened up Foxwoods and Atlantic City and that kind of stuff when they started. So, I mean, um, was poker big in your kind of household? How did you get into poker at the beginning? Like, um, 
we've had like Sean on last week, who's uh, one of the main TDs for the WSOP, and his family were very poker driven, poker oriented. Every moment of the day, the table would spring up, they'd have like draw poker and for penny <laughs> chips and stuff like that. How did you, was, was your family into that sort of thing? My dad has always liked poker. Uh, I think he, he played a, a little bit um, when he was uh, when he was younger. Uh, before you know, before I, I was born, they had a, a bit of a game, and he might have played in college. But um, you know, no, he wasn't. I, I mean, it was it was I me. Mean, I, I gravitated towards gambling, um, and and um, he did take me out to Vegas my first time, uh, and and then I ended up going you know back to Vegas. I don't know. I think I might have been there 15, 20 times before I turned 21. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just became really attracted more to the scene of, of Vegas and, and the old time gamblers and, and that kind of thing. Um, we, we, we had a, a couple of my high school friends. We got very serious about it in high school. Uh, we did nothing but play poker for a while. Um, and, and then in, in college, it was the same thing. And, and the group of guys, the small group of guys that I played poker with in high school and the, the group of guys that I played poker with in college, uh, th those, those are, you know, my, my oldest friends, really. Th th those bonds have remained. Um, and a couple of those guys went pro and, you know, everyone did, did, did one thing or another. The, we, we all do still a, a lot of those, those guys. We still meet every year in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. We've been doing that for, uh, you know, something like 20, 25 years. I think I've been to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl maybe 17, 18 times, you know, in, in the last 25 years, something like that. And you're a big, um, you're a big New York Giants fan. I am a big New York Giants fan. Uh, that, that was uh, passed on to me by my, my cousin Bobby, who was – one of the 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 real stalwarts of of New York Giants fandom when they were an absolutely terrible team. He had bought this. Uh, he had he had season tickets uh, since the '60s, and um, he had bought this at some point. He had bought a a school bus uh, that was painted totally blue for the Giants, and. And we, he would take that bus every every weekend uh, to the parking lot of Giant Stadium and tailgate. Um, I was he gave me a season ticket when I was 16 for for the year, and I was part of the crew. Um, I, obviously, I was too young to drink, so I was the maker of the Bloody Marys, and it was a it was a full on thing. You know, I, I'm sure you guys. I, I mean, it's more a little bit like maybe the football culture in the in the UK, but but obviously tailgating's more of an American thing. You know, we. We'd um, get to the parking lot around 10 a.m. Um, for Giants, and you have, you know, sandwiches, uh, barbecue, uh, and, and obviously a lot of drinking. And 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 then you know, the, the, it's a whole day basically. Go into the game yeah. and then come out. Um, and and the you know the Giants back then. Um, well, the year I, I they were very good. The year I had season tickets, they actually won the Super Bowl. But um, the the season is is. Of, of, of New Jersey football can be bitterly cold, you know, and you would be in a situation where you'd always be outside, the stadium's outside. So you would be, um, it would be like, you know, 10 below zero or, you know, something like that. You'd basically have 
everything on, you know, six <laughs> sweaters and, and three hats and gloves and everything. And it was, uh, it was, it was, I, I loved it. I loved it. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, um, I've recently became a NFL fan and a college yeah, football I know, fan. Yeah, I, I, I follow your picks a little bit. You're, um, I, I know you're well in it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, are you, is it like the Dolphins you like or something like that? No, um, if I had crazy. to have anybody, it would be the Patriots because of the way. Um, ah, the Patriots, yeah. Not, I'm not a fan fan, but uh, Belichick and Brady have uh, helped the bank balance over the years. Yeah, I, you're, you're a fan of the old teaser. I know, I know that. You're a teaser man. I, I, I do follow your picks a bit. Um, we went through a, a good spell a few times. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I know. Yeah, and then um, we had L was it LSU in the college football. Um, uh, the main I'm not hundred percent sure, uh, but we we picked the winners this year um, of the college the college bowl the main the main whatever it is um, against Alabama, and yeah, it was uh, it helped pay for the next eighteen Christmases I think. <laughs> So, so back in the, in those days, I mean, I I did not get involved in sports betting at all in, yeah. until I uh, came to Europe. Um, I, you know, for me, it was uh, in those days there was you know the casino games. I did a bit of horse racing, but pretty much exclusively poker. And then um, when I when I did come to to Europe, a lot of the guys that I was hanging out with, especially the Irish guys. Um, you know, were, 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 had much more of a, of a sports betting background. I mean, Liam Flood is the man who, who taught me to make a book uh, for the first time. And that, and that, and that was a, um, you know, a lesson I'll never forget. And, and, and Liam was quite interesting because he was obviously, he was a bookmaker by trade, but um, you, you wouldn't exactly say that, that he was a, a, you know, I don't even know if he graduated high school. I, I don't think he was a math man. So, um, you know, he looked at bookmaking for him was more of a craft. And so he had kind of a different way of going about it, which was, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, but that was really when I, guys like him. And then of course, uh, you know, someone like Donico D who was a, was a huge mentor of mine. Um, uh, when I really started to, to, to move from poker to sports betting. So, I mean, uh, is that how you got into poker? Was it um, the gambling sort of industry then you, you found poker or like on a professional level? I know you said that you went to Vegas with your father a few times, but when you got properly into the game uh, on a full scale thing, was that via the sort of Europeans like Liam, as you've mentioned? Oh, no, no, that was, that was way after that. I mean, I didn't, you know, the first time I came to Europe was, um, was, was 94. Uh, and that was to go to Austria where they had a 24 hour card room. But okay. um, I didn't really start meeting guys, ma making friends in Europe until I, I moved there more like around 99 or 2000. So um, I was, I was playing poker back in, you, you know, when I was in, in college and then, and then through those years, that was when I was playing the most, that's, you know, like 91, 92, 93. Um, and it was really, it was really more of a Vegas, of a, of a Vegas thing. And um, I was, uh, I was, I was quite fascinated by the world of the, the Vegas denizens. Um, I think I met Phil Helmuth when I was, um, when I was 19 I remember that I was uh, I was playing in a, a twenty dollar, either twenty or twenty five dollar buy in tournament at the, I think it was at the Barbary Coast, or maybe been the Gold. It was the Barbary Coast. That was it, which was on the Strip back then. And uh, like uh, 
maybe it was a hundred dollars. I think it was $25, but like they didn't really have many poker tournaments back then. So this is like 89 or something like that. And um, Helmuth had just won the, the, the main event. The, I think the year, you know, that, that year, this was later in the year. And uh, he was a huge thing and he was sitting at my table and uh, I don't think I had, I, I was playing quite a bit of cash poker back then, limit poker, because that's what it was. But I, I don't think I'd even, it might've been my first or second tournament I ever played. So uh, no limit holding wasn't a thing. But I, I remember specifically, he was at my table and uh, I've picked up a pair of jacks under the gun and uh, I was terrified. And uh, I've, I've made a raise and it's got folded around a helmet at the butt on the button. I swear to God, this happened. Well, folded around a helmet at the button and he stared at me and he goes, Jacks, huh? And then folded his hand. And I just, I just crapped myself, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I just need, I don't want to be out of here. But it was, it was such a, a, a huge uh, uh, fanboy thing, you know, that, that helmet called by two. And obviously now it was just, it was yeah. just a thing. But um, it, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, yeah, so you came over and then uh, what springs to mind for me is the first time I ever sort of had the Jesse experience was with Late Night Poker, um, which I think a lot of people can relate to. And that's what got me into poker uh, back in, I think it was 99. Yeah, well, 99. Um, uh, so, so the first six seasons ran, I think, two a year from 99 to maybe 2001, 2002, right? Um, and yeah, I think, you know, that was, what can you say? That was uh, uh, just a pleasure to be a part of, obviously, because um, I, I, I think it, 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 it was the start for a lot of people in the UK uh, and, and Scotland and, and, and Wales and Ireland and stuff like that, as, as far as, um, you, you know, getting a taste of, of, of poker. And uh we we just uh, it was as, as exciting to be a part of it as it was to watch it. You know, it was just so so raw. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the first season, Dave Devilfish Devilfish won the the first one. Uh, he did. I can remember. He and did. We filmed it in Cardiff. We filmed all the seasons yes. in Cardiff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think you guys uh, could have handpicked a better winner at that time. Because uh, I think he had just came off a bracelet one himself. Um, he was like the big thing in Britain at the time for poker. He, he was. the Well, we all showed up there and we were just a bunch of uh, no-name uh, degenerates, you know, that showed up at the, the first late-night poker filming. Essentially, um, all the all the real poker players, all the all the names had kind of passed. The only the the, the only names uh, people with actual poker Hold on. Hi, Luca. I'll be in in a second. The only guys with actual poker laurels, I would say, um, in, in the field, for, from my point of view, was, was Devilfish and Surrender. Yes. Um, now, Surrender was, was, was quite a big name in America back then. I had actually, or maybe they were the only guys I knew, you know, and, and I'm not trying to take away from, from Bram Vaswani, who, you know, now yeah. I would have would call, you know, certainly the most talented person that, that, that was there. But we didn't know that at the time. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I had run into Surrender in, uh, I think it was like 1994 or something like that. Maybe it was 93. They had a big tournament at the Taj Mahal in Atlantic City. Um, it was either a five or 10,000 buy-in. And, you know, back in, in the 90s, the, the, those, those didn't come around so often. 
and um, Surrender had showed up, and uh, he had gotten. I was I was uh, playing pretty high stakes cash at the time, but I wouldn't wouldn't play that tournament. But I was uh, watching on the rail that the whole tournament, and Surrender got three handed in that tournament um, with uh, at the final table. It was him. And I and I at that time, of course, I had never seen Surrender. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. Um, but there are a bunch of Europeans from over. So it was Surrender and a guy named Ken Flayton, who they called Skyhawk, who was a real old timer, very very good player, a uh, tournament player. And then Helmuth. Yes. And, I mean, Helmuth yeah. always po- points out, but you know, um, <laughs> pops up in these stories. But uh, so they had gotten three handed, and uh, and uh, Helmuth was 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 trying to give it all the lip about how he was going to take everybody down. And um, I, I can't remember exactly what Surrender did. I mean, Surrender obviously is, is, is you know, he's not a loud mouth. He's kind of quiet. But he actually made Helmuth cry at that table. Uh, and, and Surrender um, won that tournament. And uh, so he was a hero of mine. Like then, I was really impressed. And then the next time I ran into him was, was the first filming of Late Night Poker. Um, and I, at that time, I don't think I'd ever, I think, I'd never met the Devilfish before, even though I'd heard of him. Um, that was my first time meeting the Devilfish. Really, when I when I arrived to the set of Late Night Poker, um, I didn't know anyone except mm-hmm. for uh, for Surrender uh, and and Nick Saramata, who had who had organized the, the tournament. You know, sure. guys who would become you know some of my closest friends in Europe, like the Hendon Mob. You know, your Barney and Joe and Ram. Liam Flood, um, uh, who else was in that first series? I mean, there was an American there, Chip Winton. Um, there was Dave, uh, oh, Dave oh, certainly uh, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Harwood, Malcolm Harwood, um, that oh, was it, The Rock. Yeah, yeah, The Rock. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh, you know who else was? Oh. Uh, yeah, there was there was anyway there was a bunch of guys oh Kevin O'Connell was in that first series <laughs> uh you know because I was I was playing in the first series and in my heat uh I'll, I'll I'll never forget was um Kevin O'Connell I was sitting next to and Kevin O'Connell is one of my one of my absolute favorite people in, in poker he's a, he's brilliant he played it every every season of late night poker <laughs> and, um, I've had the pleasure I, of Kevin yeah yeah and uh <clears throat> There's a guy named Joe Fernandez who knocked me out of there. I got I got three handed, and the the final two went through back then to the to the semifinals, and um, I I had no idea what I was doing. I was a terrible uh, tournament player. I I'd never played a sit and go before, and um, I had uh, I shoved all in with um, I think it was a nine three. It was it must have been a nine. It was like a nine three offsuit, and I've I've gotten looked up by by Joe Fernandez. And uh, the look these guys gave me when I walked out the door, you know, this idiot, you know, putting his stack in with the 9-3 offsuit. Nobody knew who I was. It was very embarrassing. And, of course, it was all going to be on TV. So it was, a, it was a very inauspicious start to tell So is that how you got into it? You played it first and then you gradu- graduated, as it were, into a commentator? or I volunteered to do the commentary for free. Uh, ah, because okay. I was sitting around the green room all week, uh, and I was broke. I had put my <laughs> my stake money uh, into the tournament, and I had embarrassed myself in the first heat. Um, and they they you know they didn't um, they didn't didn't plan on having commentary because they thought oh. everyone was going to talk, but but it, it didn't happen that way. So I volunteered, and you know who knew. 
Um, who knew? Yeah, it was, I mean, <laughs> you never look back sort of thing because I always remember you had, as we spoke about with the Holy Toledo, you had these little phrases that would just roll off the tongue and they were perfectly like instrumented into the conversation. I mean, there was like folding like a cheap suit, uh, the falling like temp and stuff like that, but it just made for... Yeah. I mean, I, what can I say? I'd been hanging around Vegas for, you know, for, for, for years. And, and, uh, and that, that, that American cliche was, was, was uh, welcomed at that time. Right. Um, but, 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 but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I mean, um, I always looked at it like I was just, and I still do, you know, even though I'm not really doing any commentary anymore, if I, I've had the chance, you know, a handful of times over the last couple of years and it's, if it's a good game and there's good players, you know, that's the important thing. That's We're it, just yeah. watching on the rail. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it was the first ever tournament there from what I gather that had the under the table camera. Um, like that's nowadays correct. you've got like yeah. um, all different sorts of technology, RFID tables. I mean, there's a, a gentleman I know, Andy, who has company uh, cardroomdirect.com. They do it. They kind of, do the RFID tables where you put the cards mm. and they've got the sensor and it shows up on the screen and stuff like that, uh, which is, is they, they do it kind of worldwide now. Uh, it's a lot safer uh, technology and all that. But back in those days, you had each, every, like every camera underneath each, each player's table, as it were, the glass. Yeah, and it gave that shot. I, I mean, you, you know, the, the, the company that was, that was filming late night poker, um, uh, they were proper TV company. Uh, and the producer who, who became uh, uh, one of my closest friends, the guy who had the idea for late night poker, uh, this guy, Rob Gardner, um, he, you know, he was a very creative guy and it was all about the drama. So uh -huh. it wasn't, um, and, and so you get a, you get a certain kind of shot and, you know, Sky Sports, you know, insisted on this as well. And, and so did Matchroom with when the, the camera is under the table and you have the reveal and you're looking up at the cards and then the player's face and the cigarette smoke. And it's a very, there's, there's a lot more you can do with uh, the actual story and, and the drama that yeah. way. Right. But I think, um, you know, in terms of the, the way they film poker now, the RFID is, 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 is good. It's, it lets you do it with remote camera. It lets you have a more <laughs> low budget operation. There's, there's all kinds of trade-offs either way. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> cause I mean, do, do, would you say that uh, late night poker kind of catapulted you on the scene sort of thing? And it kind of was a springboard for what you then became uh, in terms of commentary and stuff like that? Or was it always sort of? I think, you know, like most people, when you're, when you're doing something like that, that you look back on, it was quite special. At the time, you were quite happy to be getting a paycheck and quite <laughs> concerned about where the next one was coming from. Um, and, you know, um, it didn't really feel like a, a, a career, you know, it was, you know, riding the riding, doing my thing in poker. Um, you know, I had, you know, had been a one time successful poker player, now failed poker player um, <laughs> who was who was who was able able to still make some money out of the game I love. So yeah, it was kind of like that, you know, sure. Because you done, I think they done the Poker Underground in the Premier League as well, which was kind of, I think it might have been the same company, but it was on Channel Well, that was, no, that wasn't, uh, that that was, you know, Presentable did the late night poker. Uh, and then really um, Matchroom, uh, Eddie, Eddie Hearn and Katie Hearn. 
um, and bar barry Hearn, obviously. They, they, they sort of, you know, let's say they took over the UK poker um, around 2004, 2005, right? Mm -hmm. um, they signed, you know, got two, a couple big, I mean, they had been, they had been doing the, the poker million uh, yeah. when, with Sky Sports. That was a once a year event. Um, and that went, you know, um, with Ladbrokes for the uh -huh. first couple of years. I think that started in, in 2000. But then in around 2004, 2005, they had a huge TV deal with um, Party Poker, with 888, uh, a couple, couple of other uh, firms. Uh, and that's when things really kicked into high gear. And, and I started working for Matchroom um, full time. Um, and yeah. that was great. I mean, that was um, because that was that was different, right? So with presentable, you were you were talking about, and it's 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 easier for me to make the distinction because I was kind of on the inside. But with uh -huh. presentable, you were talking about poker as a drama. You know, that's yeah. what the, the the TV shows were <laughs> sort of dramatic. And with Matchroom, they were the best in the world at at filming sport, right? Filming live sport, uh, in, in in my view. Yeah. Uh, besides maybe Sky, obviously Sky Sports, who would, you know, you know, use use fifty to hundred people, <laughs> but um, Matchroom were, had a, had a formula for filming live sport, and that was great because that was really making poker into a sport, and and so that was that was really fun. That went on for, you know, about four or five years. So I mean, do you have? I mean, <clears throat> obviously, um, we'll go back to late night poker a little bit. It made a lot of people kind of put them on the springboard as well. Because I can remember Victoria Corrin, or Victoria Corrin Mitchell now. Um, the first time I've ever seen her, she was there. She was um, the Devilfish, first time again with him. Uh, Liam Flood, as you say, Dave Welsh, Joe Beavers, the Hendon Mob. Um, and they kind of, they, we all grew up, they all grew up in that era and they just kind of went on from there. And if you didn't know them, you knew them now. Um, do you have any like stories right. from back in the day sort of thing that you could share or, you know, any funny things, any? Uh, <laughs> I think it was all quite funny. I, I mean, uh, you know, who, who, who do you want to hear about in particular? You tell me. Anything that, um, you know, fascinating or funny stories or big wins or I don't know, anything. Uh, well, I'll tell you who's 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 on my mind, been on my mind lately, obviously, because he, he unfortunately passed away this year, uh, is, is Mad Marty Wilson, um, uh -huh. who, who I really met, you know, um, through through poker. Um, and Marty is uh, unquestionably, you know, the, the, the greatest character that I, you know, and storyteller that I ever, you know, ha had the fortune to come across. He was a... He was also he was a special kind of gambler, you know. He was a he was a, an, an up and down man. He was a grafter. He was everything, but he brought so much life to everything. And when you know you talked about the springboard, um, when we started, you know, Matchroom uh, started these, um, and, and they and they became such um, they became so common. But at the beginning, you know, we were doing these. Uh, six seater sit and go type tournaments where you you had to get and for them you had to get like you got a bunch of pros and then you had to get a whole bunch of qualifiers to pay five and ten thousand dollars each <laughs> and mad marty you know he used to go drive around the country in his van with um with his partner Catherine 
and they used to go in every single card room and private game in, in up and down the UK um, and run qualifiers and get people. Marty was a, a he was a legend, you know, um, because he was uh, he made people feel so comfortable um, in, in, in that scenario, you know, where they were, we would, and these tournaments were all, we would go out to a place like Maidstone, uh, in Kent, uh, and take over a studio for about two weeks. And it was like a, it was like a sausage factory, right? Um, you know, we'd all be, we'd all be in the hotel, all the, all the staff and everyone working. And every day, you know, a bunch of qualifiers would come in, they'd, they'd hang out for the night, they'd play the next day. And, you know, then one or two of them would get to stay around and, and, and the rest of them would go. And everything, we had everything going on. It was, it was crazy. Like, um, you know, because there was cash games at the bar all night long at the, you know, we'd run these sit and goes. And after like a year or two, it got to be that there was like a bunch of Irish guys. There was people from all different walks who used to just come to the hotel and stay for a week. They weren't even playing in the tournament. But they knew how much fun it was to Marty would have games. There was this game called you'd play win with Wilson, which was a raffle game. I mean, it was everyone was having a great time. Um, there was one. I mean, it, remi it reminds me of a funny story that but that 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 uh, about about there's there was one 888 tournament, maybe. And, and um, so the way these things worked is the qualifiers would come in. And if you if you made it, if you won your heat, you get to go to the to the to the final or the semifinal, which was usually like eight or nine days later. So you got the extra seven days in the hotel, and if you got second, you might go into a semifinal, yeah. but you still got the seven extra days in the hotel. If you came in and lost, and you know people were coming in from, um, you know, all over the place, Germany, they were qualifying online, Germany, the U.S., and uh, they'd come in, they'd have one two nights hotel, they'd play and they'd go. Um, there was this one guy. Uh, who came with his girlfriend from someplace in Canada. I, I want to think it was Alberta, but it was whatever, and, and I'm showing my ignorance here, but it was whatever province it is in Canada that is very far away from the rest of the world. You know, it was, uh, you know, he was, th this guy came from a place in Canada where it was 500 miles to the, to the next town type of thing, you know. Um, and uh, he came with his fiance or his girlfriend. And um, he was in there, he, he was in there uh, in the heat the next day. So the, the night before his heat, uh, there was this fellow named uh, Dale Hoy, who, who, was, who was a lovely guy from the UK. And he used to come and play all, the, all the, these big tournaments. Um, he, was, he, was, he, was, he just loved them. He just loved the scene. Um, and the night before the heat, Dale Hoy had um, – gotten a little too involved at the bar, which was, you know, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it, it happened. It was quite common. And he had, um, he had passed out uh, behind the piano. Um, so <laughs> it, it got to be like uh, 10 in the morning or something. And, and we need to get Dale Hoy uh, to the, to the studio. Nobody could, they, they've knocked on his room. They've called the phone. They've got someone to go into the room. He's not there. Dale Hoy is nowhere. He's got to play his $10,000 seat. Um, with minutes to go, we found him un under the piano, um, and he we they've they've you know thrown some makeup on him, a bucket of cold water. They've got him into the green room. He he is you know three yeah. sheets away from being dead. I mean, this guy is 
totally, you know, he is not feeling good at all. Um, and he gets in this, this, uh, this pot with the guy from, from Alberta or wherever it was from Canada. And Dale Hoy is so hungover that this guy from Alberta has got a flush. Um, and Dale Hoy covers him. Dale has the nut flush, the ace high flush on the river. He has the stone cold nuts. The guy bets into him and Dale is so hungover. He doesn't realize he has the nuts. So he, the guy has maybe the second or third nut. Yeah. Anyway, Dale doesn't raise. And so the, this qualifier um, is, is ends up being, instead of being knocked out of the tournament and sent home the next day, he, he ends up with this teeny, teeny stack of chips, parlays it into second place, and now gets to stay an extra eight days in the, <laughs> in the hotel. So now the story gets a little crazy because what happens is his um, fiance for whatever reason, she, you know, and I, I don't know what the relationship exactly yeah. was. She um, meets another guy who actually is on the staff uh, of, <laughs> of one of the, one of the poker sites uh, and also in the hotel. And she ends up running away with him um, and not going back to Canada and, and, and marrying this guy. And then this guy stays the extra eight days, gets knocked out in the semifinal, gets no money. So this poor fella from Alberta, um, because Dale Hoy had gotten so drunk that he couldn't raise him with the nuts on the river and knock him out, ends up losing his, his fiance. Um, and that was, you know, probably, you know, we figured one of the worst beats we'd ever seen in television. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just raise. Raise and save my life. <laughs> oh, but it's just, it's, it's a different world now. I mean, back then you you had people like Devilfish, you had Stu Unger, um, even now you still have Phil Helmuth and that. I mean, was there any, um, did you ever meet like uh, the the great Stu Unger back in the day? Did you ever see him play live or? Sure, I, I didn't, um, I was friendly when I was, uh, one of my first summers in Vegas, I was friendly with a guy named Billy the Kid, um, who was, um, was 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 a, one of Stu's best friends from childhood, um, and 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 Billy the Kid was also um, one of the great card mechanics around that time in town. Um, he he he, I think he's passed away now, so I can kind of say this. Um, you know, he used to be put into some of the games when they needed a, a card, a, 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 a someone who could um, do what had to be done. And at the Stardust, he was uh, kind of cheating the game. But anyway, he was he was he was a, a really nice guy, Billy the Kid. And uh, he, um, so because we were friendly with him, we used to hear a lot of stories about Stu, Stu and, and that kind of thing. Um, but my first, so, but, so, so I knew stories about Stu, but I never really uh, got to play with him or, or anything like that. Um, now, the guy I did get to play with, who, who was my absolute idol, was an even uh, a bigger old timer, a guy named Johnny Moss. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Johnny Moss was the grand old man. Johnny Moss was, um, you know, he was a generation before hmm. uh, Doyle Brunson and Amarillo Slim and those guys. Uh, Johnny Moss was was the guy who played Nick the Greek Dandalos in, in 1951 uh, uh, in, in, in the original big game. Where uh, so so, uh, Johnny Moss in the 1940s and 1950s was the the, the greatest poker player you know at, mm. at the time, 
Um, and in the in the eighties, he uh, had moved into Binion's. He was he was quite old, you know, um, and he wasn't past it. But 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 he was. Uh, he had a deal with Benny Binion at the time where he would play the 2040 limit Hold'em every day, uh, sit there. And that was, you know, yeah. peanuts for, 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 for what Johnny Moss had been through. But he would play that about six, eight hours a day, and then he was living in, in Binion's. And I was a kid at the time. I mean, I don't know if I was 19 or 20. I'm not, not totally sure. Um, and I was, a, I, was, I was a 3 six Hold'em player, maybe a 10 20 sometimes. That was my big thing. But you know, I, 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 at one point, there was a point where I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going down and I'm playing with Johnny Moss, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, I had to put like my whole bankroll on the table, you know, just to sit down yeah, with, yeah. and play with Johnny Moss. <clears throat> it was the, it was the greatest thing ever um, down at Binion's. Yes. Um, it's all changed now. It's all mainly online. Uh, obviously the way lockdown is at the moment, I think, there's been a little bit of a boom in the industry. Uh, they're talking about putting the, well, they are putting the WSOP uh, bracelets and all online this year. Do um, you have any thoughts on that? Or do you think uh, that live poker should remain, like the bracelet should remain for live poker? Or are you neither here nor there? Uh, I have a lot of attachment to the, to the history of poker. Yes. Love the history of <clears throat> poker. I love the World Series. Um, yet for, for me, um, I, I don't have any, uh, much attachment to the, the whole idea of, of the bracelets, uh, in, in terms of, um, I think that, you know, the, the, you talk about the value of a bracelet and the prestige and stuff like that. I, I, I think, um, you know, there was a big sea change around for me around around 2005 when it went to the Rio. Um, uh. um, you know, in, in terms of, of of because there were so many of them at that point. I mean, I think um, those first couple of years at the Rio, they used to do these, you know, five thousand dollar unlimited double rebuy events, and 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 in many ways those were were buy bracelet events for some of the big Phil Tilt pros and. Um, and there was, you know, every year there's been sort of more and more bracelets given out. So I'm not, and, and, and that's fine. You know, I, I think it's fine. I think it's it's still uh, very, very difficult to win a bracelet. Um, it'll be difficult to win one online, difficult to win one live. But uh, for me, it's not like they're crossing the line now. I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see, I don't see the Rubicon, you know, suddenly, suddenly being, being, being uh, bridged now. It's, it is what it is, you know, yeah. the, um, Rio has a, they definitely, you know, ha have some sort of interest in taking care and monetizing, uh, the world series property. They, they can make their decisions. Um, I'm not going to get too involved in the politics of it, but yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I absolutely, you know, do I adore the history of poker? Y yeah. Um, there was a time, you know, we were doing a TV show in Vegas for the world series back in you know 2000 in 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 the aughts and um i i could i could rattle off every, every single world series champ you know in order since the beginning <laughs> and and i still can except now you know once it gets to be like 2014 2015 i i'm i i i get a little confused about who won it the last couple of years the main event you know um 
and maybe that's just me getting old or, or not paying as much attention, but um, y- you know, the, the list just goes on and gets yeah. longer. Um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> do you think that there's, there was more characters in the game back in the day, uh, like the Devilfish sort of era, or do you think that as times evolved, there's less and less characters? You know, like, I mean, from, I remember um, from stories I've heard, you Devilfish used to go to the bar, he would have the guitar, he would have the piano, and a clip to nowadays where you don't really get that as much? Uh, I, 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 you know, for, for me, it's, it's more about the, the different kind of person that's successful at poker. So when, when I was coming up, the, the people, because there was no books, uh, honestly, you know, there was, uh, there was, there was no internet, um, there, there weren't hand histories, there wasn't a, an enormous amount of data. Um, so uh, the, the people who were really successful at poker were, were the hustlers and the grifters uh. And the, uh, the the people who were a little bit on the outside of society in some way, uh, a little bit of the outsiders, um, and and you know it's it's evolved because there's now um, there's so much skill that it takes to win at the game, um, and you have to work so so hard in in a different way, and you have to have you know fr- frankly different skill set than than the people that had back then, that. Um, you know, there's a, a bit of a different, uh, di- different, different characters that are successful, but they're, they're, they're sportsmen. Sometimes I think, um, when everyone says the guys, you know, these days are boring, um, the, the, the fault is with the, the production or, or the, the way that the, the poker scene is set up that we don't really, um, get a read on who the characters are. They just all become these, these, these uh, people with no depth behind sunglasses that never say a word. Um, you know, certainly um, a, a guy like the, the, the jungle man um, is a character in any age, you know, uh-huh. that guy would have been a character in 1412. I mean, he's a, <laughs> he, you know, um, and, and, and there's a, a lot of people in poker like that who, when, when you get, to, when you get to know them, um, you know, a lot of the guys at, at the top today, you know, I, I think when you when you, you meet them, you talk to them and and that kind of thing, if you get the chance, uh, they're they're characters. They're not Amarillo Slim type characters. Amarillo yeah. Slim was, you, you, you know, um, and there's a lot of bad things about Amarillo Slim for sure. Um, you know, uh, uh, but he was probably one of the greatest storytellers, quickest wits, and and greatest all-around athletes of, of his age. You know, he was just, uh, and his poker skills were quite average. You know, yeah. Um, but you know, guys, guys like him wouldn't necessarily um, uh, be successful in poker today. Um, sure, I mean, it, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, I know you, uh, you're good friends with Podrick, Par- uh, Podrick Parkinson um, and people like that. Uh, I mean, Podrick... Well, Park from- is one of my, one of my, yes. my, my mentors, you know, there's yeah. no, I mean, and, and, my, and my best friends. I, I mean, um, and, um, you know, he is, um, he is one of the most u- unique characters, yeah, in, in, in gambling and poker, for, for sure. Um, and certainly you know, the success that he had and, and when he was really um, was successful and the way he learned poker um, was, was just, it was, as I said, a, a much different skill set 
required. And you know, Parg has has adapted remarkably well since he's he's still winning and 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 and, and making uh and making a living of it. You know, through all the internet years and and everything. But um, he he really has crossed through generations. You know. Yeah. It's, um... <clears throat> I mean, as I said, you see a lot on the television, uh, like, as I said, late night poker, the Premier League and stuff like that. You always did have the the characters who you would know. They'd have a little bit of a song. You would see the, like, the outtakes. As I said, you had uh, Devilfish with the guitar. You'd have uh, people chatting a lot. Then on the flip side, you would have the quieter sort of person. Um, but everybody kind of brought their own mechanics to the game. It was like a different blend of um, entertainment. For one, for every quiet person, you had a loud person. Nowadays, it's kind of different altogether from what we've seen on the television. Now, whether that constitutes the television back then has kind of amplified it, or now it's just been toned down, I don't know because I wasn't around then. So, I, um, you know, look, I, I, uh, without being hy hypercritical, I, I don't think there's been enough innovation in in the way poker television um is shown essentially they're 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 televising poker and setting up tournaments and everything the exact same way they, they did 10 years ago um and the audience wants more i mean first of all it's it's not live i mean yeah. it's, it's on it's on a delay um but you know that said right um if, if you watch poker on twitch which you know in many ways is you know aside from the fact that it's just one guy often uh, it, it is like the best poker can be the best poker production out there and i'd say the best twitch poker streamers who are doing something that is totally unlike what the for instance the wpt would be doing or something televising final tables that stuff is enormously captivating when it's done well um and it, and it you know it's uh it's it's totally innovative compared to what was going on 10 years ago so yeah. um yeah, I, I I'm fairly bored with with a lot of the poker on TV today that looks the same way it did, uh, you know, in in, in 2005 because, for, you know, just for a multitude of reasons. Sure, I mean, you said about the books in poker. I have uh, found this. Uh, oh wow! Shut up and deal, uh, Jesse May. That, that that is probably that I I I I probably recognize the uh you know the 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 folds on the inside. I, I like to say about that book, it's well regarded but not well read, um, which is which is fine. You know, um, it never uh, it's it's never. And, and I'll 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 show you something else. You were asking about do I make any did I make any money off that book? Um, this is my uh my royalty check. Um, and now I get one of these. <laughs> I get one of these every, and I just got this one. I get one of these uh, every year, um, and I've, I've. They say that I'll get it's, it's, and since uh, about the year two thousand, well, really since the, the book came out, um, it's never been uh, less than thirty dollars, and never been more than forty-two dollars uh, per, you know, for a year. And they say that that might continue forever, you know. So uh, I've, I've got that going for me, but. Um, it was it was a fun book to 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 to, to write, but um, certainly did not um, did not uh, was not a great recommendation for for uh, for for me me being an author uh, as as far as being a, a profitable way of making a living. Yeah, I mean, uh, for for those that don't know, it is Jesse May uh, shut up and deal. 
Um, it's in all popular bookshops online and live, and a few bad ones. Since um, 1997. There you go, since 1997. It is a good read, get reading. Um, yeah, uh, it has been... It was an interesting one. Uh, for those that don't read it, just go and read it now. Uh, buy it. Now, what I will say is moving on a little bit. Um, married, you mentioned her before, the lovely Mickey. I, I've known Mickey for a while. In my opinion, one of the best photographers and an even better human being. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. She's, she is. Uh, I, I think she's, you know, certainly... Uh, if one of the best, if not the best, uh, poker <clears throat> photographers. I oh. mean, I, I think that Mickey, uh, just from a photography point of view, for me, for me, she's um, definitely uh, I, the the only only photographer I think that that is comparable is is Olvis Alberts, who was kind of the original Vegas photographer, and that's that's because both Mickey and Olvis they really were photographers first, yeah. rather than poker, and you know Mickey. Uh, before I, I met her and, and then really before she ever got into poker was quite a serious photographer. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think she's more of an artistic photographer, which is great for poker. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, the, uh, the biggest compliment I can pay her in regards to the job, it's like uh, you call it soccer, I call it football. They say that a good referee is one you never notice. Now, Mickey could go around taking millions of pictures. You'll never notice her. Then the next day they'll be uploaded and you're like, when the hell did that picture get taken? Because you don't notice her. She click, 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 boom. Action shot, action shot. And you don't notice that she's been there. And it's, she's phenomenal. Really, really good person. Amazing, as I said, photographer. Um, and you guys have been married for a good few years as well? We've been married for 20, 23 years. We've been, uh, we've been together since um, five. We were, I think we met in uh, 1993. I know we met in 1993. <laughs> um, if you're listening, and, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And we, we've we've been together ever since. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, and you have little Luca, six-year-old little boy. We do. We were, you, you know, we we uh, I'd say probably slightly unorthodox for for most couples. We were together 20 years before we even, um, or you know, or so before we even thought about having having a, uh -huh. a kid. So. We used to do uh, an enormous amount of traveling, and um, and and you know now we're more in, a, in a, a settling down mode, right? But but yeah, we have a little boy, Luca, who's six. And you're living in Copenhagen at the moment. Uh, we said at the beginning, um, why Copenhagen? For people that don't know yourself and Mickey, was there a reason behind it, or? Well, Mickey's Mickey's Danish, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we, yeah. Uh, we we tried after we got married. We um, we lived in Woodstock. Uh, we've lived in a couple, bunch of different places. We lived in, in Woodstock, New York uh, for a year in New York City. Um, and then um, we, we came back to, to Denmark uh, around 2000. And we, we've been here ever since. Uh, I mean, there's a, a, a lot of things to recommend about Denmark. Um, you know, we feel lucky to be able to, to, to live here. Um, and been more opportunities for us in terms of work but just in terms of a, of a, of a great society to live in you know yeah. I, I recommend Denmark we're, uh, we're quite yeah. happy here lovely lovely place a uh, bit expensive in some bits but it's a lovely place so many good views uh, people can speak better English than half the British people I know <coughs> me included but um, it's a lovely lovely place so I mean going forward I know that you're working for is it Matchbook 
sports. I worked sports. for Matchbook. I worked for Matchbook betting exchange. So I used to work for Matchroom, uh-huh. and now I work for Matchbook. Um, but uh, so, so I, I, you know, I've been I've been with Matchbook full time for about five years, um, and it's it's more on the sports betting side. Although, you know, I originally got involved with them through poker. Um, a lot of people will, uh, you know, you know who who who, who kind of you know go back on the poker scene to the 2010, 2011, uh, Matchbook was very involved. You know, they were, they sponsored a lot of poker players. There was a guy named James Board who, who used to be very involved with oh, in Matchbook yeah, yeah. Uh, and sponsor a lot of poker plays, the World Series, certainly guys like Sam Trickett, Roberto Romanello, Jake Cody, and um, uh, were at one time, um, you know, very involved with, with Matchbook on, on the poker side. And, um, I, I joined, a, you know, Matchbook originally um, to go out to Las Vegas and, and film the sort of the stable of Matchbook-sponsored poker players at, at the World Series for an entire summer. Um, now, there's a guy who, 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 who you might know uh, because he's, he's from Edinburgh, um, mm. uh, and uh, his name is uh, uh, Rory. What's his last name? Rory used to uh, be a partner of, of a guy named Haas, who were the original, um, they were the original poker production company, uh, no, I'd I say, for Haas. poker yeah, stars yeah. and stuff like that. And um, uh, so Rory was a guy, he's a, a, a very, it was Haas's original partner, uh, or one, one of them. Um, and um, he was, he was uh, my, my creative partner out there in, in Las Vegas for an entire summer. Uh, filming the Matchbook Poker Players, I think it was 2010. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on his last name, but but certainly one of the funniest men I have ever uh, come across, and a real a, a real TV star too. Um, and we we produced um, a show out there, which was um, we had a lot of creative license, and um, <laughs> I, I I I I think it's on on YouTube, if you if if you look for it, um, called. Um, I think it was W. It was WSOP something, but it was uh-huh. uh, it was it was quite a bit a bit of a wild show that we did. Yeah, um. good. Um, I mean, for for people, um, just while you're thinking about that, for people trying to get into the side of like the commentary side of thing or the the media side of thing, or do you have any sort of advice for any young up and coming people in that side of the business? Uh. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, 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 sometimes it can be really hard to break in, right? So, um, I, I'll tell you what my, I'll tell you what my sort of philosophy has, 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 has always been. Um, and, and that's not to say that it works for everybody, but my philosophy has, has always been, um, that, you know, don't discount the 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 value of 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 learning if you if it means you have to work for free right and i don't mean that everybody should work for free but what what i, what I mean is you know um so sometimes if you're able to gain a little bit of expertise uh in, in something and you're not you know it's not exploit exploitative um that you 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 shouldn't be selling yourself short or the mm-hmm. value of getting to know something um you, you know, I, I mean, I've just been uh, was was really lucky to be able, you know, for instance, in the, in the commentary uh, arena, um, 
you know, was able to, 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 to work with some producers who basically, you know, taught me an enormous amount about television, you know, and those people at Matchroom and uh, guys at, at Sky Sports and stuff like that. Um, and then when we, we later on, um, you know, had our own production company and, and things like that, that that's the kind of stuff that you can do if you've been in, 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 in a place where you've learned an enormous amount. So um, I, 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 I think working sometimes, you know, if you, can, if you can do it, working on the cheap or working for free in order to be able to learn something is, is a great way to, to break in. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's it's all it's 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 also it's also a great way to to um you know get yourself in a position where you're basically working for free, yeah. um, which is isn't you know always great. <laughs> uh, a, a lot of times, if um, you know, if you um, if you if you tell somebody that you're willing to work for free, that's basically all they're ever going to pay you. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so this can destroy you know, it's, 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 uh, right it, it doesn't you know it, it, it doesn't um doesn't always work out but 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 certainly i i was in you know with poker too i you know was in so many situations where um i didn't care i didn't care if i was in a in a bad game sometimes or losing money or or or, or you know in a slightly bad situation if i knew that I was getting some unbelievably, uh, you know, good lessons from it, getting yeah. to meet people, uh, that kind of thing. And that's just the value of education can't, can't, can't be overrated and you can't always get all of that education in school. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Life, life experience sort of thing. And, uh, a little bit of initiative does go a long way. Um, nowadays anyway, I know that for, from personal things, sometimes you've got to make your own luck in this world. Uh, you can't go waiting for it to hit you in the face. You've got to try and seek it out. And uh, as you say, take full advantage. If you're willing to put your uh, yourself in the shop window, go for it. Um, but yeah, you don't sell yourself short, but be willing and enthusiastic um, helps a lot. Enthusiasm um, going forward. But yeah, it's been it's been good. I mean, what's what's next for yourself, Jesse? Do you think you'll uh, make a little return to poker anytime soon, or are you happy just doing what you're doing and see what happens? Uh, so I'm I'm quite enjoying working for Matchbook. I uh, have been, you know, who 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 knows? Obviously, you know, t t times are times are tough right now. Not just I mean, you know, the sports book industry, the poker industry, um, in the economy. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit older now. Uh, I, I like the value of a steady job and a paycheck and, um, you know, like everybody else, I, I think I'm, you know, a bit worried right now about the future and, and trying to, to just make sure that, 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 that goes okay. So, um, I don't, I don't see myself, um, you know, uh, diving into anything, uh, too new in, until it's necessary. <laughs> you know? yes. And at that point, uh, I'll, I'll probably be willing to try anything. <laughs> I think we're in the same book. Um, well, we'll wrap that up there just now, Jesse. It has been an absolute pleasure to... Um... Oh, thanks. Oh, look, look before, before you do, I just yeah. wanted, because we didn't, didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I think it was, uh, was it last year or the year before? Um, I know you were sharing a lot of, a, a lot of stuff uh, on, on Twitter and online about uh, the, the, you know, the, the stuff you were going through, um, you know, with, with, uh, I think, you know, maybe a little bit of depression or, or ups and downs. And I, I just, I, I really thought it was really 
brave at the time of you to be able to share that. Um, Thank you. I certainly, we didn't have a chance to talk about it now, but um, means- when, when I was, um, you, know, you know, when I was, you know, in my, in my twenties, um, I spent an enormous amount, amount of time um, ha- having a lot of ups and downs and I would say working on my mental health. And, um, you know, I spent probably, you know, four or five years, basically that was all I was, I was doing a lot of thinking and reading. And, 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 and I don't mean to, to, to demean the struggles that everybody else goes through because maybe mine weren't as serious, but I think sometimes people sort of, um, they don't treat working on, on their mentality and their mental yeah. health with the series. I mean, everyone's like, well, I'll go to the gym every day. You know, that's, that's one thing, but uh, honestly, you know, taking time out to think and, and work on your mental health is, is really important and it's okay to be open about not being, uh, not feeling great. And I, I, I really thought it was brave of you. And, and I just wanted to let you know that. No, I do appreciate it. Um, the way I kind of seen it was, um, <laughs> I'm not afraid to talk about it at all. As, you, as you've said, I put it on Facebook or social media, whatever yeah. you want to class it. Um, I went through a bad period in my life a few years ago. I lost uh, my best friend and it, it broke me um, really badly. Um, at the time, I was losing weight for charity and I was doing really well with myself. I was getting mm. myself in a great position in life. I just got engaged to my partner, Claire. And um, my best friend died and... Uh, I didn't know what was going to happen after that. And I spiraled out of control mentally where I got to the stage where I pushed everybody away um, (laughs) to the extent where um, even me and my partner kind of went through a really rough patch. And that was through no fault of hers. It was through the thing. I couldn't couldn't cope well. So I, I spoke to... A psychiatrist, I spoke to my doctor, spoke to my mum, my partner, and kind of came to the conclusion that I needed to open up a lot because it wasn't, I wasn't nice to be around, but I mean, I had a full grown beard. I hadn't brushed my hair in months and I just let myself go. (laughs) I was was there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. I thought to myself, if I can help at least one person or if one person can reach out to me and say, look, I'm going through the same thing. It's one person more than, you know, and I have no problem. If anybody watching this would ever want to talk about things, you have my Facebook, my Twitter, my phone number. I have no problem helping anybody, Jesse. I mean, I, in a way, I'm kind of glad you brought that up. Uh, wasn't yeah, yeah, well, so exactly. <laughs> it, it, it made it well. It, it made me think, you know, because I, I, you know, felt felt like that 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 for years. I, I was. I've gone uh, had up and down periods since then, but my, you know, my, the, the period when I really, uh, you know, was, 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 was really up and down was, was, I was much younger, but I, I often think that, you know, as I tell people, or as, as I, I think like, it's totally natural. Nobody yeah. can, it doesn't matter. And obviously some people have more, more serious issues than others, but for everybody, um, you know, just the the idea of there is no even even no. keel, right? And you're gonna have good periods of bad, and especially now in this lockdown, as I was saying before, you know, you need to be able to to have a, a I don't say a coping mechanism, but you need yeah. to be able to say, you know what, like I may just take a few days off, yeah. or, and just do nothing but think and just uh, work on my mental health and try and talk to people. That is totally fine yeah. and probably very necessary 
you know. Yeah, I mean, as as the saying goes, it's okay not to be okay. Um, a lot of people can sometimes say, oh, for instance, there's an expression, man up, and I think that is very, very condescending. And you don't know what anybody's going through. Like, for instance, I used to put the mask on, Jesse. If you, you've known me a while, your partner knows me, and a lot of people know me. Away from the table, I like a laugh, a joke, party animal, etc. Not to crazy extents, but in my own time, I was just, I was a, a wreck. And it, it then showed to the extent where I couldn't hide it anymore. And I just feel that it is better to talk to people. Even someone you don't know. I mean, there's millions of people out there. A lot of people think they're on your own. You're not on your own, trust me. Um, yeah, well, you're, you're not on your own. And, and like, it's, 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 and, and also it's, there's, there's nobody who, you know, you look at other people and think, oh, wow, you know, why are they so happy all the time? They ain't, you know, no. or, and, and it's just totally, um, it, it's the kind of thing, it's okay to just, to just work on your mental health the same yeah. way you would work out and to find ways to kind of, uh, you know, for me, it's, 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 you know, doing a lot of thinking and reading and kind of stuff like that. But everybody, like, like you say, has to figure out, um, you know what? What makes you feel better? Uh, what makes you 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 start to get the thoughts in your head yeah, yeah. In, in a better place? Um, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not easy. It's not easy. And I I I really think, like you said, there's a stigma about um, about happiness and mental health that people can't can't own, own own up to the fact that it's 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 not okay all the time. No, it's no, it's not. And this is life. And the sooner people respect. Uh, that it's okay to cry, it's okay to let it out, the sooner we'll kind of, we might actually get, not, I wouldn't say we'll ever get a cure, but we'll learn to cope with it a lot better than some people do and make it a lot easier to talk, to talk to each other and not hide away from it and not shy away from it. And yeah, but as I said, I'm, if anybody who doesn't know me or doesn't know me is watching this, Fire me a message on Facebook, on Twitter. I am avail I don't sleep much. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> what is this sleep people no, talk I, about? It's I, I know you're quite sincere. I know you're quite sincere about that because, as, as I said, I, 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 um, I, I, I do follow. You know the way you, what you say, and that, and that kind of thing. And I know you're, you are, um, there, there for people. And that look, that's, that's awesome, especially these days. I appreciate it. I appreciate your kind words, Jesse, and I do appreciate your time because I know it's very valuable. You've got the young one probably shouting, Daddy, where's my dinner? So <laughs> I will love you and leave you. Um, if you pass on the regards to the family and hopefully one day at the tables or maybe a bar, we'll catch up soon. I'd like that. Thanks very much, Ross. You take, take care. care. So, my friend. All right. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. All right. and